Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 61 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Seals answers your table tennis questions. Today, we discuss the ready position, losing your temper, returning high spinny loops, and whether it's beneficial to practice with someone not as good as you. As always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Hi, Jeff. Uh, looking forward to today's 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 questions. Question. Whoa, that was weird. I just got your voice going. Today is today is today's question. Question. Wow. All right. <laughs> but hopefully, it's all good now. Let's mm. hope so. Come on. Come on, Internet. Exactly. Come on, Internet. And I can hear my um, self echoing slightly again on your side. That's weird. That doesn't normally happen. Uh, who knows? Who knows? All right. Well, that's really distracting, though. <laughs> Let's get on with yesterday's Things Killers question of the day, which is... What are the most important muscles in table tennis? Now, we had quite a lot of answers. A lot of people saying, you know, that if it counts, lungs. Um, people talking about chest and uh, a few people saying the arm. What are your thoughts, Alice? Yeah, for me, I think it's definitely the, the legs. I think the legs are the muscles that um, really set aside the, the top players from the next level of players. Um, just having a look at some um, video and some pictures of the Chinese players, and if you have it, if you get a chance to have a look at um, any pictures of Zhu Xin's legs, um, they are amazingly big. Like uh, he has obviously done a lot of work on his legs, uh, probably with um, a lot of footwork training, but also uh, weight training as well. So you know the legs are so important for getting uh, for getting you around the table and getting you around fast. Um, we uh, in one of the questions later today, we'll also talk about the receiving position and uh, and how how uh, how much these guys move um, in the receiving position as well. So, yeah, the legs for me are the the most important. And and when we're talking legs, uh, we're talking you know the quads, the, the upper legs, but also the calves as well um, for being able to bounce quickly um, on your toes. So uh, yeah, definitely for me the legs. There you go, excellent. Yes, I have to agree with you, Alaris. All right, the thing you know that's going to support today is are video games helpful or damaging for table tennis? So leave your comment and let us know whether you think video games, just any type of video games, are good or bad for table tennis, for your table tennis. All right, now first up, Brock has jumped on Alloys and asked a question using the Google Q&A app. So thanks, Brock. He says, how can I improve my smashes? Do you know some tips? Yeah, so um, so Brock, um, smashing's a, a lot about um, getting yourself into position first. So if you can get yourself into position, then you'll be able to execute a better, better stroke. One thing is to make sure that you're waiting for the ball to come up nice and high. So up at shoulder level or, or higher, and then with your contact, making the contact nice and flat on the ball. If you make the contact flat, you're going to get a much faster stroke. But we do have a lesson on the uh, on the smash on our um, strokes and techniques section of our lessons. And if you go there, um, you'll see what we're talking about. You'll you'll get the tips of what we're, uh, we're really on about with the smash. So, but 
for me, one of the really important things is getting yourself into position first. Yes, and we are about to release a new refilmed version of the Forehand Smash shortly, so stay tuned for that in HP. All right, um, moving on, Rutvik has asked a question, Alice, which says, I am always losing my temper when playing against Valley players. They change the game often and I find it hard to guess the next move. Any suggestions on how to keep focus when playing long rallies? Yeah, so um, firstly, to keep focus during the rally, the, the important thing is the ball. So firstly, make sure that you're tracking the ball all the way during the rally. If you're doing that, it'll help you to keep focus. Um, when you're playing against a rally player, and, and by that I'm, um, I'm guessing that we're talking about a player that can put the ball on the table a lot, you know, someone that's like a blocker, it's important to be able to vary the speed and spin and, and placement of your, of your shots. What they're relying on is the ball coming at them, and often they like the ball coming at them quite fast. So if the ball's coming at them fast, it's easy for them to just place the ball and start to outplace you. If you slow it up sometimes, speed it up sometimes, um, place the ball better, then it's up to them to start to think about um, what they're doing as well. So so variation is the real key against a rally player that's that is able to get the ball back a lot. So, um, yeah, see how you go with that. And, you know, as far as losing your temper, again, think about what you're doing each point, each rally, reassess after each rally, and then you'll find that you will start to, um, to get um, a, a better rally and better concentration. Okay, excellent. Now, Brox said, please fix the sound. I'm confused. That feedback is obviously causing some problems, Alice, and it's difficult for me to even understand. I'm not sure what it is, though. Yeah, not sure. Maybe can you hit the mute button when I'm talking? Uh, I could try that. Yeah, All right. go on. All right, you try that now? Yeah. Okay, so now I'm talking, and that works. I'm not sure what's causing it, but that works. So maybe just keep switching it um, while that's happening. Excellent. All right, thanks, uh, Brock. Um, we have hopefully fixed the sound issue. All right, now, Alois, the next question is from Singaraju, who says, and this is a good question, he says, from the ready position, what is the exact point of time I should take my body up for the stroke on a service of the opponent? Is it the moment he contacts or after his contact with the ball or during the time which is between his racket and the net? What do you think, Alois? Yeah, so for, for this one, it is, it is really interesting, Singaraju. Um, if you have a look at the top players playing each other, um, the one thing that's really noticeable is that as soon as the other person's got the ball in their hand, but then the ball is rising out of their hand, they will start their motion. And the first thing that they do is that they will come from this position up. So as the ball's going up, they will start moving and come up a little bit more um, into a more um, moving position. By the time the other person has hit the ball for the serve, they're already in motion and they're already moving. So they're obviously seeing things that 
of where the ball's coming, um, the type of serve that's coming, and perhaps even the speed of the serve that's coming. And that comes from a lot of experience. But if you watch uh, players like Zhang Zhiku, Fan Zendong, uh, Ma Long, they all do exactly the same thing. So as soon as the other person throws the ball up, they set themselves in motion. They The first thing that they do is come up, and then they start to move um, to where they um, think that the ball is going to be or into a better position um, to be ready to hit that that return of serve. Um, on um, the question on our Ask the Coach um, page, um, we've also got a picture there of um, Fan Zendong moving uh, with Zhang Zikou serving, and you'll see the amount of movement and where um, he's moved to by the time uh, Zhang Zikou has actually contacted the ball. Okay, good, Alois. I think I've just muted you here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's it's a really interesting point because to, is it yeah would you encourage people to try and predict where the ball's going after they've tossed it up and start to move to a different position or is that just something that those players have developed at the time? So yeah, I'm just trying to understand someone coming up up and coming and learning when should they try and move? Um, let me just put you back on the sound. Oh. How do I unmute you now? I've done it. Um, all right. <laughs> Gee, what a good show. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think when you're developing, it's important to f really focus on um, on the ball. If you are focused on the ball when they're serving, you'll start to move naturally to position. You'll start to see things of what they're doing, where the ball's coming a little bit earlier, and that will help you. But I think the, the main thing is to make sure that you are ready to move, that you're, that you're active, that you're not just standing there. Definitely not standing there with your, with your legs straight um, like that. You know, being in the ready position, being ready to move um, is really important, and then that will give you the opportunity to move uh, when you start to recognize those signs. Okay, great answer, Alois, and thanks for the question, Singaraju. All right, so the next question is from Dakota. And Dakota asks, do you think it is more beneficial to play with someone slightly better than yourself or slightly worse? Someone not as good would give opportunities to work on technique. Someone slightly better would force you to be more focused and work hard. What do you think after you unmute yourself, Alois? Yes, good idea. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really important to practice with a wide variety of players. You know, um, if you're always practicing with players that are better than you, and, and a lot of people um, only like practicing with players that are better than them. If you're only practicing with players better than you, you miss out on um, some of the uh, less predictable balls, um, some of the slower type of balls. Um, Things you know, um, the better players, the ball tends to come off very cleanly off their bat, and you know, very predictably and with with nice spin all the time. Whereas if you're playing against some um, lower level players, the ball might come off a little bit differently because they they haven't developed their technique or their stroke, um, or they um, you know they have, might have a different serve that you haven't seen. So it's really really important to not just practice with players up here, 
it's also important to practice with players that are that are lower in level than you. Um, the other thing that can be important is if you're always practicing with players above you, you're not putting yourself under any um, pressure to uh, succeed in points or in games if you're playing practice matches. You know, if you're always playing players better than you, think, oh well, um, they're better than me. Um, it's okay if I lose. And then when you get into a match situation where you're playing against someone similar or someone you want to beat, you sometimes forget how to win. So um, that's another really interesting point about you know who you're practicing with. You know, and always say um, playing playing with players that are lower than you or playing games with them is good for the ego sometimes too. You know, like um, it, it's difficult to go out there all the time and be beaten. Um, you almost get used to it. So um, yeah, so just de develop a variety of players that you can practice with, and um, and you know some better, some lower. It's really important. Wow, that's um, yeah, a really interesting question, and really interesting to hear your thoughts on that one, Alois. Um, I hope that's helped you out, Dakota. Okay, um, Brock has jumped in and asked Alois, when someone loops against me. What angle? So I'm imagining he's asking what angle should he uh, be using to block against the loop. Um, but you have to take yourself off mute first. <laughs> yes. Um, so the more topspin that they put on the ball, the more you need to turn your racket over the ball to get it back. If they've got a lot of topspin and it hits your racket, it's going to go up this way. All right. So the top spin is going to drag the ball up there. So now to get that ball onto the table, the ball's going to react off the rubber in a similar sort of angle. So now that angle is coming down there and onto the table. So if you leave it open with heavy spin, okay, it'll go up there. You need to turn that racket over. So now the angle takes the ball onto the table. Excellent. All right. So, yeah, so really, uh, Brock, it is a matter of experience in judging how much topspin they've got on the ball, and that will determine how much angle you need, how much you need to get over the ball. So, yeah, see if you just can get someone to practice looping to you and you just blocking against them. Get them to loop 100 balls to you, and then you'll get practice against different amounts of topspin. I think that's a good way to do it. All right. And often, um, Jeff, often in... In the training situation, you know, when um, when you're training, you might practice something for five or ten minutes, and then your partner practices for five or ten minutes. While your partner is practicing, um, and you you're actually then getting an opportunity to practice your blocking, and that's re a really important part of your practice. Often, I see players when they're training, they're okay when they're doing their drill, you know, their footwork drill or their moving drill or whatever it is, but when it's uh, your partner's uh, turn to do their drill. You know they're standing there and blocking with their with their legs straight, and that's the time that you can really practice your blocking and utilize the full training session. Yes. All right. Excellent point. Yeah. So um, yeah, use that time when you're practicing block against someone to uh, really improve your own block. Okay. Um, the next question is from Andre. When Andre asks. I often have problems returning high spinny loops. It seems these are sometimes impossible to block. Recently I tried to smash them instead and it seemed to work better. 
but the position of the ball must be exactly right, which isn't easy either. So do you have some advice, Alois? Yeah, I think um, with that, you're, you're right. Sometimes, you know, if, if they put a high spinny loop in, you can just smash it and it goes on. The only thing is it isn't consistent and you're not really understanding what's happening with the ball and with the spin. In a training situation, it's important to learn well, to block that ball. It's important to learn to just control that ball properly um, and understand the different amounts of spin and what's happening with the ball. Because smashing the ball will give you a quick fix sometimes, but it won't fix the, um, the cause of the problem, and that is not understanding um, the type of spin or the amount of spin that's on the ball and learning the control to be able to put that ball back on the table. Once you've done that, then you can start to do a lot more. You can start to punch the ball or counter top spin the ball. You've got lots of options, but it's, it's really important to get that basic right to be able to just control the ball first um, so that then you can um, progress and develop your return on that stroke. Yes, and we do have a video on uh, returning a high spinny top spin where we go through three options. And one of them, Alois, is about using soft hands. And does that help with that initial control you're talking about? Yeah, it does. The, the control um, is helped by, by keeping your, your hand nice and relaxed. If your hand is tight, then the bat becomes a lot um, stiffer and all the spin is going to react off the bat. Whereas if you're holding your hand nice and relaxed, the bat becomes a little bit softer. It's almost like a, um, a big sponge rather than a, than a block of wood. And so the, some of the spin gets absorbed um, by that, the softness in your hand. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Okay, great. All right, so what we'll do is we'll put a link to that lesson in the show notes, and you can find the show notes by visiting pingskills.com and clicking on the blog link. Um, good question, Andre. Now, Super Mario Time Alois has just jumped on and asked a question, again, using the Google Hangouts Q&A button. Thanks, Super Mario Time. And Super Mario Time asks, what kind of pendulum serve should I learn first? Yeah, so um, I, I think the, the easiest one to learn is just the basic pendulum serve, the side spin serve. So, you know, um, coming around the side of the ball um, is probably the natural action um, of the serve. So if you, if you try that to start off with, you'll get nice curve on the ball um, and it's, it's a natural action. After that, you can start to think about serving with backspin and topspin and all that sort of thing as well. But, yeah, first up, just do the sidespin uh, pendulum serve and, um, and see how that goes. Great. All right, thanks for the question and good luck with that. And that wraps up today's show. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your questions. Thanks for watching. I hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you visit pingskills.com. If you haven't, sign up for our free newsletter. Lots of great tips on how to improve your table tennis. And we will see you tomorrow. Thank you, Alois. Thanks, Jeff. And have a great day, Ping Skillers. And uh, hopefully tomorrow, technical issues, zero. See ya.